Hi, I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. So as we've mentioned several times before, and Randy is very perceptive and totally figured out that obviously these kids would go on and do more violent crime. So they would go on to do even more violent crime than they were originally charged with when they came to the school because they were surrounded by people who had committed even gruesome, more gruesome crimes than they had committed. It's just a bad environment. And then the guards are committing even more gruesome crimes than anyone combined in the program. Exactly. So I'm going to talk about a couple instances here. So after 14 months at the school, Leon Holston killed three younger boys in Pompano Beach. Three boys? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That's very telling. Three younger boys. (laughs) Yeah, you guys. Like, it wasn't a sex crime. It was a violent crime against three boys. Because obviously, that was what was happening yeah. around him. He had been serving a um, he has been serving a life sentence in state prison since 1968. No, so he was he does there. not deserve to be in there. No, he doesn't. And he was there at the reform school when corporal punishment was still legal. All those people should be granted clemency and allowed to be in the world because they obviously did this because of. Uh, For a reason. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think they should be put on a rehabilitation track because the Florida State Rehabilitation School did this to them. So, I don't know. They should have psychological evaluations of all those individuals. Exactly. And then assess whether or not they're prepared to go back out into the world or if they need to be put into a program that will allow them to talk about what happened and be like, this isn't okay, and we know what happened to you. And, like, Florida needs to own up to their shit. Maybe someone, like, whoever these three kids were were pissing him off, and the only way he knew how to react to three young boys making him angry was to beat them. And No, that's totally what happened. That's what happened. That's exact. There's n- no other explanation, explanation for that. Yeah. yeah, this isn't a just-snapped situation. This is something that he is attuned to. He was inspired to. to do this by yes. his surroundings and... In a Florida State reformatory school. Sorry, I just, like, I have to keep, like, saying that this was not some sort of weird, off-the-cuff place. This was an institution, a state institution, paid for by taxes of Florida citizens, and this was happening in 2007, Okay, so, so when I guessed the cropsy thing, I wasn't too far off. No, you you no. shut me down, and I and I put that out of <laughs> out of my mind because that was my first guess when you were like, "It's about yeah. an institution, institutional yeah. problem." <laughs> and, and she was like, "Cropsy," and I was like, "No," but I shut it down because it was so close. <laughs> okay, so you were like trying to get me to not guess. Yes. Okay, I was wondering. I was like, "Why did she?" Okay. Why did I so venomously shut you down? Because I didn't want you to guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was just one case. So that was Leon Holston. Roger Lee Cherry is facing execution for the 1986 murder of an elderly DeLand woman. Facing facing execution. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. He's not the only one. Robert Hendrick is on death row for shooting a Sorrento man and slitting his wife's throat in 1991. Frank Smith, another former inmate, died on death row. Florida has one of the largest oh, yeah, number all of about death, death row. row inmates. Yeah, like they, they are. It's huge. When they release the numbers every year of like who actually went through with executions, it's always Florida Georgia always and wins. Florida. Yeah, I mean they killed Ted Bundy too. Not happy about that. This is bonkers. <laughs> it really is. Oh my gosh. Okay. 
So another guy, Don Duncan, is serving life for the 1990 murder of his fiance in Orange County. Um, he broke a knife off in the woman's back in front of her 13-year-old daughter. And um, Duncan said, quote, I remember that place like it was yesterday. And this is talking about the reformatory school um, at Dozen. Okay, I'm going to go back to my juvenile class again <laughs> because we had a whole day about trauma in that class and we learned about how if your brain is constantly in a fight, flight, or freeze mode, that if you have... I think it's called complex trauma when that ha- is happening to you so frequently, like you're always in that mode. So maybe a kid living in an abusive household or a kid in this program, yeah, <laughs> your brain will essentially like be more likely to like be in that mode all the time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So like if you're fighting all the time to stay alive and then even when you're out of that setting, your brain is still more likely to like go to it really quickly as a way of dealing with whatever, you know, is upsetting you. So exactly. instead of like having an informed, like gradual process. process, you're gonna go like, from hmm. like one to a thousand quickly. So Zero quick. to a hundred is what I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> but that's exactly what it does. It eliminates that whole process of thought. Yeah. And so I think that the analogy that the trauma informed people used in class that day was if a tiger's in your home once, you know, you're going to have this reaction. But if a tiger's in your home all the time, you know, think about that. Think about what yeah. that does to your brain. Yeah. So then later, when you, like, leave the home with the tiger in it and you see something that's like, scares you or makes you feel even remotely similar to that, you're, you're going to react jump that to that really extreme reaction very quickly. And this is, like, a brain thing. This isn't a learned behavior necessarily. It is chemical and everyone would experience this. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if any person was put in that situation, your brain would manipulate itself to fit this exact profile. And there's like photos of brains changing over time when exposed to these awful, horrific, traumatic experiences. And everyone deals with trauma differently, but it seems to me like these, you know, all these people who are now serving time were probably just responding in a way that their brain like told them to respond and they probably didn't have a whole lot of control over that decision. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. I completely agree. And I mean, the list of these boys who would grow into men and go in and out of prison constantly just goes on and on and on and on. There were a few. There was one guy that I read about who actually went into the army and received a purple heart. So not everyone was affected by it like these other people were, but the majority were affected by this and they were put in prison almost immediately after their release because they didn't know how to live in the real world after this extreme trauma pipeline to adult prison (laughs) yes exactly so many of the inmates that would come out of this institution would also say that they lost all respect for authority and that would also be an issue for them because they didn't respect them anymore so if you get like pulled over by a police officer you're not going to cooperate with them because you don't have any respect for them and you see them exactly as the same prison guards who used to beat you all the time for stupid things so there's a lot of different elements to this and several people called the school hell in a hundred and uh in fourteen hundred acres which I thought was sounds like it pretty right. Yeah. So other testimonies would come forward about how people, um, the place made them turn to alcohol in order to fight off memories. 
Um, the sad part is just of how young the boys were when they went into the school and how it, like how it will change their lives forever in this negative manner when it's supposed to do the exact opposite. One inmate named Michael O. McCarthy turned to alcohol and would be in and out of a lot of trouble. He would end up robbing a gas station with a fake gun and spent seven years in prison. Here's what he said in the report about all the things that led up to his criminal activity later in life. And he says, look at what they did to us. We were children. We were still kids. So, I mean, they they ruined these children forever. An ex-staff member, though, would come forward and contest all of the claims that were brought forward, saying that he only saw three deaths on the property during his time there, which this place has a 111-year history. All of these deaths did not occur in one like in one period yeah, of time. Yeah, but it's like he's bragging. I only saw three it's deaths. It's like there were only three deaths. It's like, how long were you employed there, or you also idiot? Like That's any, a lot of deaths. Any deaths is a problem. Yeah, it's like there shouldn't be any deaths at your institution, especially since he's coming forward in 2009 to contest this report. And I, I mean, like, as someone who was born, like, a decade before the school closed down, I would expect that this place would be safe and would be like... Because we have all of these rules and laws that are modern and meant for institutions like this, and yet. But you also have to remember that we live in the time of private prison systems. That's also where true. This is probably, maybe not to this degree, but maybe is happening there too. Yeah, you're totally right about that. And I just thought it was interesting the deaths that this ex employee brought up. He said one boy was found at the bottom of a swimming pool, which, excuse me? That's kind of odd, sir. Um, Any mysterious circumstances surrounding that death? Did anybody look into this poor boy who was found in a swimming pool? And then another boy died from a heart condition in a gymnasium, which could probably happen, but heart conditions in children are so minimalistic that it's kind of hard to believe. But that is a realistic scenario. And then the last one was a boy drowned during a canoe trip on uh, the Chipola River. Which sounds like Chipotle. It does kind of sound like Chipotle, but it's Chipola with an A. But yeah, the, I mean, like the first death is so mysterious, and it was like, well, did anyone Just inquire found there? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, was especially it... because he did use the word drown in the third, third one. one. So yes, you'd so think it makes he it would even... say that. Yeah, if... it was like, oh, yeah. this kid drowned in a swimming pool, and this other kid drowned in, on a canoe trip. But he doesn't say that. He said he was found at the bottom of a swimming pool, and I'm not sure again what the circumstances are with that boy's death i'm not sure if it was um death by suicide or if it was murder (laughs) um but it could be a whole number of things and i wanted to be like what happened um but i'm i don't know i don't know what happened to this kid i just thought it was really interesting that he was like oh there were only three deaths and one of them was really weird (laughs) we found a body on your campus and you're not whatever um So hundreds of men have come forward with allegations of abuse for the entire 100-year history. So I said 316 allegations were investigated during the late 90s into early 2000s. That number extends for the entire time. I mean, there's like hundreds and hundreds of boys who experienced this abuse and who came forward and were like, something's happening at this school you need yeah. to stop. So you, I mean, I bet that there's probably a lot more too that just didn't come forward. Exactly. And then we have the governor saying, "Well, why didn't anybody build a whistle on this?" I'm like, "People have been, you idiot." <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah. 
So while the sexual allegations um, may never be prosecuted, the discovery of the unmarked graves uh, this year and um, about four years ago, um, and no, even longer than that. Oh my God, eight it's years 2019. ago. <laughs> um, eight years ago, um, expose a lot of this deep inner workings of the Dozer School. So I'm actually kind of glad that they found this huge number of unmarked graves when they only thought that 100 deaths had been reported. And now over like around 80 graves have been found of boys that they're like, I don't e- I didn't even know that they were there. Right. And there might be more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the original number, if you remember, of graves that were assumed to be on the site was 33. So that's mm. that's a pretty big gap, you guys. That's a lot of bodies that were misplaced yeah. or forgotten. Maybe it's like 330 and they forgot to add a zero on purpose. <laughs> Ted Bundy. <laughs> Ted Bundy. We're calling you out. <laughs> so forensic evidence may be our best bet to finding out if all of these allegations really happened. Again, like I said at the beginning, Dr. Kimberly found that the bodies of some of the boys looked in complete health. There was nothing wrong with them. So how did they die? What was the accident that happened? And for some reason, it would always be unknown or accident, but there would be no specifications. And if you're a state institution, you should be required to log the deaths in detail. It's just really disappointing. So as I said before, most of the bodies were recovered from the black side of campus. And this spot is called Boot Hill. And it's the the cemetery where the students would be buried if they died of like an illness and the marked there are marked graves on the site but those graves were like the kids who died of normal stuff like illness or a heart condition and it was an accident or or not like an accident sorry I shouldn't say accident because accident was used as like a, a non disclaimer for what really happened um but a, a literal odd circumstance and they detailed out what happened. Um, so those ones were actually given grave markers. And again, they only thought there were 33. So unfortunately, though, the skeletons have been really badly damaged due to the lack of proper burial. So it's really hard to kind of tell who these boys were. And we can't really assume their ethnicity either because two of the boys that were found in the first um, the first grouping of um, unmarked graves in 2012 two of them were caucasian while the rest of them were sort of like displaced pieces of skeletal remains so we couldn't really decipher whether or not we sorry i was not involved in this they said we couldn't (laughs) um so the team couldn't really decipher whether or not they were actually the black students that were buried there in boot hill for that reason because it was segregated or because, um, or if they were more Caucasian students, or we don't really know. But they were all buried on in the black in burial the black ground. burial ground. Well, maybe yeah. then they thought so, they thought that they could bury the white kids they were murdering over there too, and think exactly. that people would be less likely to care about it because they were yeah. buried on the black side. Yes, exactly. Because this is like the nineteen. 19- very well I mean today too but yeah this was happening in like 1900 Mm -hmm. right when the first ones were kind of yeah so 1903 was when the first set of allegations would come forward which is only three years after the school was established so yeah 1900s would 1900 would be the start of all of this 
horror. <laughs> Sorry, horror is such a funny word. It just to sounds say. like you're saying horror if you say it, it does. fast. So I just wanted horror. to make sure you knew that. That's horror. what I was saying. Um, yes. So two of the boys, the two boys that were Caucasian and were found at that site were positively positively identified through DNA. Um, because the families had been looking for their graves because those two boys had actually been properly cataloged and they had died of illnesses. But I'm not really sure why their bodies were placed in the unmarked grave area because both of them were buried in caskets. And one of the little boys, because these boys were like 11 to 14, the bodies. And one of the little boys had um, his remains had like pieces of his clothing still left and buttons, and a buckle, and a few other things. So his uh, grave was presumably more taken care of than the other boys. Um, So the school is no longer active, and it is currently an excavation site because they're still looking for more bodies. So I'm just glad that all of this is being done because... It's important, and I had never, I mean, like, I had heard of uh, the Dozier School for Boys in, like, a brief, like, other podcast that I was listening to about, you know, like, yeah, 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 lore, that was it. Yeah, it's um, a podcast about legends and myths and all this stuff, so that school had been covered by him, and Randy and I were saying during one of the breaks between our episodes recording, she was like, it is kind of, has a legend to it like it has this mist that's surrounding this school and I think we're starting to push the fog back a little bit because there shouldn't be any fog in a state institution for children ACLU let's get another lawsuit going let's do it (laughs) I love it a little bit and then I'll help you yes and then Randy will be there and she'll be on the case (laughs) but yeah so that's the story and thanks for telling that story absolutely it's really cool to talk about things that are like promote a dialogue around a current criminal justice issue. Yes, yes. I agree. I love so it. So interesting. So that was my first very, <laughs> like, very modern case. I've done all historical cases. Mostly, yeah. yeah. Or, like, I don't know if 60s is, like, really historical, historical but, like, other than Ted yeah. Bundy. Yeah. You're really into the <laughs> yep. super historical stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> some variety. Yeah. Just <laughs> add a little spice to the... Season six. Let us know how infuriated y'all are. Yeah, because we're very infuriated. And we're excited for the future, though, because it seems like a lot of progress is going to be made here. Mm -hmm. So, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) We always, like, pause and we're like, are you going to say it? I usually, like, breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.